We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 48, and we have yet another amazing special guest. He is a linebacker from Akron Bookdale High School. He won a national championship at Miami, played with Bernie Kozart. He played in the NFL in a Super Bowl. He coached LeBron James in high school, and he's currently the head coach of the uh, Manchester Panthers uh, in his second year. We're so excited. We got Jay Brophy on, uh, and, and we're so excited to get into that. Plus, we got to have a Browns celebration. They might not have won last week, but it was a great season. We got to talk about the Indians and so much more. Don't forget Garage Beers of the Week. So come on up the driveway, pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. Welcome on in, everybody, to episode 48 of the Garage Beers podcast. An exciting episode. Our very first episode as a member of our new network. We are now a part of the Belly Up Sports podcast network. Go find them all over online. You know where to find them. Belly Up Sports on Twitter, Belly Up Podcast. Uh, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, all that. But we're really excited to be joined with Belly Up. Uh, we'll get into that just a little bit, but uh, that means... Uh, that means good things for you, our listeners, who we appreciate so much. We're going to be able to come at you a lot of different ways from here on out. And uh, and we're really excited about that partnership. So, uh, again, the Garage Beers is now a Belly Up Sports podcast. We're super excited about that. With you, as always, I am Michael Keefe. Go find me online at Garage Beers Mike. And with me, uh, these two crazy guys over on the east side of Cleveland at Garage Beers Chad online. Chad Meyer, what's going on, Chad? We are two wild and crazy guys. Hey. <laughs> That's a couple of crazy guys over here. Hey? Wild and crazy guys. Guys, I'm looking forward to this so much. Uh, this, 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 this is going to be a lot of fun. I, you know, I, I, I got done watching the Night Stalker documentary on Netflix. Okay. Uh, so this I kind of I I need a pick-me-up right this now. This took a turn. I, I kind of need a pick-me-up. So, and, and this is exactly what's going to happen after, after watching <laughs> that. So... Let's do this. Yeah, let's do it. So we got Chad just watching a documentary about his hero, the Night Stalker. 
Down in Nashville, Tennessee, we got Garage Beers Joe online. Joey Whalen, what's going on, Joe? Oh, I, I I found out why I love Patrick Mahomes so much more than, let's say, I don't know, like Steph Curry. And I think it's because of the people in his family that tweet. Like you Aisha know, Curry? You know where we go? No, okay. Well, his mom, right, after Mac Wilson tackled him, which – Oh, you're talking about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. allegedly yeah, Mac yeah. Wilson's first tackle of the season okay. um, tackled and took out Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Patrick right. Mahomes' mom was like, 51, evil never wins, love my Chiefs. And then Mac Wilson, like, very, like, wholeheartedly came in. I was like, I'm sorry, it's a – challenging game i wasn't trying to hurt him like i just kind of i'm paraphrasing here but i just kind of tackled him i i just want to win and be great like your son and like total like nice man comment which is just very weird in the twitter sphere nice man vibes yeah and then his patrick mahone's mom was just like thanks i know everyone's out there doing their best and you know good job sorry you guys lost kind of deal but like it was like is there like humanity left in this world that's insane people being cute who are these people where's where's the where's the like subtweeting where's like the back and forth it was just like two tweets were resolved i gotta tell you i gotta tell you this week this week in like cleveland twitter like with with some of our cleveland twitter people has been just a just a week of subtweets and anger and 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 upsetness and so i'm glad to hear that i'm glad to hear of, of just nice commentary yeah. going on i feel i feel like that set mac wilson on some sort of like bender though like if, if you follow him on on twitter <laughs> he was just like like, like the, the last couple of days it's just been like i was just trying to make the plays I was just trying to make a play. Man, <laughs> yeah, I mean, much. he got to feel like that. He's like, man, I miss it. He's like, man, I miss it so much. He's like, oh, the place I missed this year, I'm going to come back. Double, double time, tenfold. You can bet like, dude, like, all right, relax. It's okay. Relax. I'm going to make two whole tackles next year. <laughs> all right, guys. But uh, it's overtime, Cavs and Nets. And the Cavs were trailing by three with four seconds left. And Colin Sexton just hit a three to tie the game with one second left. Oh, anyway, double overtime. Uh, I got a fun little thing. I, I, I've realized what my life's mission is. Oh, yeah. Today, today is uh, Inauguration Day. I'm not going to get into that as far as politics goes, but I've realized my life's goal, my life's mission is to be the announcer at the presidential inauguration. Because so, I'm listening to that guy. I'm listening to that guy as the doors are open, and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, the president-elect of the United States of America, Joe <laughs> Biden. And I'm like, that's me. That is me. I should be that guy. That was great. Well, you yeah. had, the, per- you yeah. had the perfect face for it. You bitch. I always <laughs> wanted to be the preview guy. I always wanted to be the preview guy. Well, yeah, you do have the face for it. But uh, I always wanted to be the preview guy. You guys are jerks. What's the preview guy? <laughs> like the movie guy? This summer. Yeah, this summer. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the angry Austrian. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, first of all, you know how that has to start. In a world. In a world. In a world. (laughs) I I think I'm missing my calling with not being the voiceover guy. I'm just saying, and I want to be the presidential inauguration voiceover guy. That's my thing. So we got Joey. We got Chad. 
We are so excited. We got an awesome episode coming up. Uh, but before we get into that, we obviously have to start with our favorite uh, part of the show, which is always our Garage Beers of the Week. And Joey's very nervous about his Garage Beer of the Week this week, so I'm sending it straight to him. Joe, what's your Garage Beer of the Week? <laughs> you can just see me mouth out. Fuck. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it's not something I like, should be nervous about. I just like hate mispronouncing things because... Uh, we have just have a history of that in our family. And uh, <laughs> I just like, what? I just feel like I'm just getting that gene. It's, uh, that's, a quick, genetic. That's, a, that's a quick story time. I think I need, I think I need to know this. What, what, what is well, the, what is the, it, you know, it's just like little like isms of things that um, like normal words. That you should, the, the, the beer isn't a very normal like beer name. I don't think it's, it's Joey's okay. grandfather. Yeah. Uh, he, Papa. He, he he would say uh, like normal phrases like, uh, no, I think that doctor gave me a placebo, but he would say, I think that doctor gave me a placebo and then be like totally serious and just like expects us all to sit there. Like what the hell did you just say? Like you just over here saying placebo. Your, your sister caught it. Your sister caught it. She, what was her? She had one recently too, didn't she? Mel- well, she's big on milk. Mel- oh no, she's not. Oh, oh. milk. Milk. Oh, milk no. and, and pillow and pillow. We do say uh, bagel. I, bag, bagel. Bagel. I have to really like think of in my All head, right. but yeah, we, we got to get off this. What we is your garage? Beer? Let's talk about the beers. Well, That's well, more important. Like, yeah. or, or the people who say warsh. Like, I don't know how you warsh. can look at that. Like, Listen, the you bastard. That was my grandfather. What? He washed his clothes. That's and fine. I'm, I'm going to wash fine. mine. Hey, I'm not he saying was a he wasn't World a great War II guy. veteran. Leave him alone. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying he's not, isn't a great guy, but I don't know how you can look at the word "wash" and say "wash." Well, he did, and you're gonna have to deal with it. Anyways, Joe, what's your beer? How about this beer? Uh, okay, this is uh, from East Nashville Beer Works, uh, which place. is a brewery that. Um, uh, sponsored my hurling team, which I don't know if I've talked about hurling on here. We can get to that another time. Yeah. Um, but this beer is a hell? honey is blonde. Is that like throwing up? No, 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 no. It's Gaelic. Uh, oh, okay. In the world. <laughs> God damn. Let me give you my beer. <laughs> You're like, I like, really don't want to like say this and mess it up. And then we're just making this so long. <laughs> it's the Miro Mayo. No. Oh, that ain't it. <laughs> that ain't it. How do you say it? It's uh, well, it's Spanish, so it's Miro Miel. Miro, I took Chinese in high school, so I, I Miro Miel. Is that it? Wait, that sounded pretty what? good. Anyway, so we are never what gonna. You just keep throwing out facts about your life, and we are never going to get past this because you're just chucking out I, you I, took Chinese in high school. I've never heard of high school Chinese class. What yeah. the hell? Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we had a, a teacher come over from Taiwan, and uh, she was phenomenal. And I took three years of Chinese, and I, I can't speak it, but I can read it kind of. Hook us up with a little Chinese. Go. Uh, ni hao. I don't know. Okay. I, mean, I don't know. It's been that ain't it. I, I can read it better than I can hey. speak it. Hey, last week we were doing Del Preston. Zang. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Del Preston. Uh, uh, anyways, it's Honey Blonde Ale. All right, we got to get so, off. Honey Blonde Ale, Mito Miel, East Tennessee Brew Works. Joe, you've had like 10 minutes on your beer here. The beer is so delicious. The, I highly recommend so, it. Uh, so I'm under the impression you spoke Chinese. In high 
Uh, I have been to that brewery, and it's an awesome place. So uh, good call there, Joe. Chad, what is your garage beer this week? Well, I, folks, have uh, a uh, also a sort of a, a Mexican-type beer. Uh, it's from Ellicottville Brewing Company. Ooh, it's their mole stout. Their mole stout Ooh. with spices. But this is in conjunction with their friends uh, at Falling Piano Brewing Company in Mexico City. Cool can. It is a it is a mole stout uh, brewed with uh, ingredients found in authentic mole sauces like cocoa, cinnamon, allspice, clove, and hot chili peppers. I love you, uh, it. Yeah, you uh, can't really taste the hot chili peppers at all, but I mean, it is a delicious beverage. Delicious that, beverage. I highly recommend awesome. it if you find it in stores. Ellicott uh, Brewing Company, really cool. Uh, they've got a couple locations. I've been to the one at Bemis Point on Lake Chautauqua up there in New York. Great place. Uh, once we don't have to worry about COVID anymore, I'm sure we will go back. It's about, yeah, you know where that is? It's about three minutes from the uh, the main Southern Tier Brewery, their headquarters in yeah. New York. Uh-huh. Really cool place. So yeah. uh, that's a good one. Uh, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I'm surprised it wasn't in Massachusetts. Oh my God! Because my garage beer this week, <laughs> man, Colin Sexton is just dry, draining threes, just draining threes. My garage beer this week is a Cleveland legend uh, that is out now. It is available springtime after the holidays in Cleveland means one thing when it comes one thing when it comes to beer. Christmas it sales. means you go to Great Lakes. Uh, we'll talk about that. You go to Great Lakes Brewery, and from now through March, you are going to find this spectacular Irish ale. It is called Conway's. Oh, yeah. And it is amazing. It is an amazing beer. Uh, picked it up today uh, when I was at Simone's, uh, which I've talked about before. There were a whole bunch of Christmas ales left, which Joe just doesn't believe. Uh, I took pictures for him. <laughs> no uh, dates, though. No dates yeah. on those pictures. So uh, I took him. I'll, I'll yeah. go FaceTime you from there tomorrow. We're we're real excited about having Conway's. This is a beer I'll drink a whole bunch of from now through St. Patty's Day and all that. So we got Nashville rep- represented. Uh, we've got New York represented, and we've got Great Lakes Brewery represented as well. Those are our garage beers this week. You share yours, uh, and we're just going to jump right into it because we got an awesome interview here coming up with the one and only Jay Brophy. If you don't know who he is, well, you're about to. All right, now we're very excited. We've got an awesome special guest here tonight on episode 48 of the Garage Beers podcast. Uh, A name that, if you're not super familiar with it yet, you're going to want to be because the resume on this special guest is amazing. He he grew up in the Akron area, uh, won a national title with Bernie Kozar at Miami, started at linebacker for the Dolphins in Super Bowl 19, uh, and he's been involved in high school football for 30 years, 30-plus years, uh, including... And again, we're going to ask you, uh, we're going to ask him about this and he probably talks about it too much, but as the head coach of LeBron James's St. Vincent St. Mary team, uh, and most recently this past May, he took over the head coaching role at Manchester high school, uh, down in new Franklin. We are so excited to have on Jay Brophy. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks you guys. I appreciate it, man. You can keep on with those stories. That sounded good so far. <laughs> you got any other highlights I can throw out for you? Nah, yeah. not probably, but you've thrown out enough. <laughs> Jay, Jay, can you tell us about the time you saved a litter of kittens from a raging river? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah right, right. right back. Hey, 
you know what the bad part about it is you put that out there someone's gonna say damn bro did you know hey and, and believe me if if it's selling i'm i'm buying yeah oh he had he had two broken thumbs when he did that he had two broken oh, thumbs when he saved the Wait, well, you know what when you you guys put that picture on the the front of that uh, the beard thing um i brought back memories because i had to wear those and my good friend and coach don shula hated me having those on and he used to he used to abuse me why aren't you on ir why don't we put it well they, they made them playable but right. you know right. you take your thumbs away put cast on them never missed the practice legally i couldn't play in a game though for four to five weeks but i, I never missed the practice but i tell you take your thumbs away and, and i tell you bathroom eating Man, oh, yeah. <laughs> I still owe some chicks some birthday cards or like what, Christmas cards or something, you know, Christmas cards or something. Jeez. The rest of your thumb or your fingers just become chopsticks, basically. So, oh, my yeah. God. It, it's terrible. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, uh, uh, it was my wife, actually. My wife puts those together for us. And I yeah. said, she's always looking for like high quality pictures. Well, I'm looking and I'm like, I don't I, You know, these pictures are all from like the 80s. So, you know, I know. So what there was no high quality. And uh and she actually found that that picture and and she's like, is this gonna work? I'm like, that's the best picture I could have imagined for this. <laughs> Man, so. I tell you, I, I I laugh like crazy because I go, God, I can't remember that one. And then when I saw it, I was like, that brought back memory so fast because I'm not mistaken, we had just beat Pittsburgh to go to the Super Bowl, uh -huh. and I was I was putting my thumbs up to the crowd in the old orange bowl, and we were <laughs> we were celebrating like crazy. That was it. I love it. I love it. So, so normally when we have a special guest on Jay, we, we kind of start at the beginning and work our way, you know, more current, but I think we're going to work backwards with you because uh, you've got some, you know, some fun stuff going on right now. You, uh, uh, you obviously some big congratulations. Uh, you took over as uh, uh, the first new head coach of Manchester in <laughs> like 50 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's that like? Well, taking you know, a, like you had a relationship with Jim France, right? So like, what's uh, yeah, that like you taking what? over for a guy like that? I, I consider uh, Coach France a good friend now. And I always knew him. And what happened was, ironically, about three years ago, I was thinking about hanging it up. You know, I was trying to help some young guys and coach it. And it just seemed like they didn't want to listen. I go, you know what? Maybe the game passed me by. Well, I knew Coach. So I called him. I said, hey, Coach, you mind if I come out and just holler at you? He goes, no, come on out. So we sat and talked for about an hour. And during that conversation, I found out that I, I guess I had something left. And he turned around. We were getting coffee or something or probably thinking a bathroom break because we're old. And, I, and he goes, hey, bro, you, you want to coach with me? And I said, yeah, you know, and uh, it, it worked out great. I had a ball the last couple of years. We retired. I was going to retire, too. But I still loved it out there. And I didn't want to go anywhere else. And I had a few people ask me to apply then. So, you know, being brain damaged, I followed the legendary Jim France, 15 years of winning. And I've already set a record. He never had a losing record. My first year, I had a losing record. You know, so I'm, I, I tell the son all the time, I got the books quick, you know. But, hey, you know, it's, it is what it is. The big thing about it is I didn't have – I'm at the age now and I've done enough coaching and everything that it's no pressure for me. It, it, I, I don't look to – I'll never live long enough to pass Jim anyway, but uh, I, I love what I do. So I, you know, if, if I don't succeed or whatever, they'll fire me. That's fine. I've been fired before. I'm old enough now that I just want to enjoy myself and it's, I'm having a great time out there. I, I love, love what we're doing and looking forward to spending a long time out there. Listen, you, 
if you don't know, if you don't know Jim France, if you're not a high school football connoisseur, that's okay. Jim France is the all-time winningest head coach in Ohio history. He has the record for number of <laughs> wins in the state of Ohio. Uh, that's that is who our guest Jay Brophy uh, took over for. So here's here's a question that I thought of. You've been around a lot of crazy coaches. Right. Yeah. Howard Schellenberger was your coach at Miami. Yeah. Obviously, you were you've been around Don Shula and uh, you've been around a lot of coaches. Uh, what's the thing that made what's the thing that made high school football coach Jim France? as good well, as he you was? Know, Well, you know, and I'll tell you what, what's the key to all these coaches is they've got a belief in what they do. And no matter how they make adjustments, but they don't change their core beliefs. Uh Jim France is an old Marine. He's a very quiet guy, unassuming. But his whole take on football is, you know, you could do all the fancy things in the world, but you still got to block, tackle, and execute. And we'd laugh about it, but it is that simple. But his discipline and his style of doing things, he he could be flexible, but it's still going to come down to the same philosophy, and he never changed that. And I think, you know, that was Shula who was a madman, and, and Snellenberger, who was – I'm telling you, people don't know how crazy Shoes was. But uh, Snellenberger was a guy that just – he made you believe what he did, and he would beat you into the ground like Bear Bryant if, if until you got it. And, and we realized real fast that you did it his way or it wasn't going to be done by you. You'd be gone. Well, I mean, okay, so so you you just said, you know, people don't realize how crazy Shoes was. Obviously, I got to know a story if you got well, one. Well, here's the thing, all right? I'm known for my, my language. It's not the best. I mean, I use some curse words. Well, you know Let's who go. one of the best guys I got them from was? Don Shula. <laughs> Don Shula, my, my name started with an F, ended with a K, and it was always broke, <laughs> F broke. And, and I'm going, you know, it wouldn't even be my fault. And he'd be screaming my name at the top of his lungs. And, man, he could let him fly. Oh, now, off the it. field, Shoes was a great guy to talk to, very personable, easy guy to get along with. On the field, oh, man. <laughs> I thought, man, I, you know, like I said, when anybody said something about my language, well, listen, I learned from the best. Don yeah. Shula was, man, he was, <laughs> he let him fly. And, again, he ripped me so bad in St. Louis that he met me on the 20-yard line. And he carried it all the way to the bench. And he, he was spitting in my face, F-bombing me to death. Because it was my fault a guy caught a touchdown pass. Well, here's what happens. I tell him it's flow. Flow meant two backs my way. I'm not responsible for the tight end anymore. And he, we all know that. And he looks at me, he goes, flow my ass. And he gets on the horn, he gets upstairs, and he goes, flow, flow. Mark Brown? And he's going looking at Mark. Now, he doesn't say, hey, my bad, bro. My bad. He looks, Mark Brown? Now, my buddy Mark snuck off the field because he knew he was wrong and snuck down the sidelines. So I'm sitting there pretty dejected. I was a rookie. And Kim Bo Camper, I'll never forget. Bo Camper tells me I'm sitting next to him. Bo goes, hey, bro, don't worry about it. He goes, he did that to me when I was a rookie. And he said, I had 103 degree temperature. I was sick as hell. He goes, you know what? I threw up on his shoes. And I go, what? And he goes, and he goes hey, he goes, he's never messing with me since then. I go, I'm going to throw up on his damn shoes then. The hell with it. You know, it worked for you, but I didn't. And, uh, you know, it, the pet names continued. We we had a good relationship off the field. On the field. Holy cow. I'm never going to – knowing that Shula was just a, a, just a filthy mouth coach, I'm never going to see like a Shula Steakhouse again. 
without just being like, oh, there's a shoeless fucking steak house. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and you know what? And that, that's what's so funny. I mean, a man went to church every day. He jogged at five, six in the morning. And you see him on the sidelines and he always had that pose, like that a stoic pose. Man, yeah. John Sandusky, Don Strock, and Shoe, uh, Marino were trying to get stuff together because Shoes could be losing his mind. Trail, bro, what the fuck are you doing? You know, and I'm going, man, I'm not even in the game. You know, it just, hey, he was wild. I mean, again, I'm not saying it was like he just did it all the time, but man, when he got mad, oh no, they flew. All right, so and I was a I was the brunt of it sometimes. There's a story I want to hear. We're going to go back to your Manchester time here because that's kind of how I find. I was looking for you on your on any social media, and I was looking for you on Twitter, and I found a bunch of Manchester players tweeting at your Twitter handle, and they were all talking about something. You took the job, and they were talking about spleens and like ripping out the spleen. What are they talking about? Well, here's what happened: is I, when I first got there, I, I told Coach France I didn't want a title. I didn't want to be a coordinator. I wanted to learn Manchester-type football and how he's done it for all those years, and I wanted to be around it. Well, I started feeling more and more comfortable, and we were going to scrimmage, and I just felt like, you know, these guys weren't fired up, and they, they looked at me, and I was like, Jesus Christ, man, let me tell you something. Rip some goddamn spleens out. I said, if you rip a spleen out of some bitch, he ain't going to run down the field, all right? If you rip a spleen out, they're going to say, holy shit, this team's nuts. I said, man, you got to set the tone. That's what it's about. Well, it kept with him for a long time. But we even had a lady make a shirt with it on there. Bring me spleens. Well, you know, and they still do it. And, you know, I didn't mean it that way. But the one of the coaches looked at me and said, damn, rip spleens out? And, I mean, I, you know, it just came out. So sure. it stuck, though. Sure. It stuck. Would, and would I like the idea. Would, would you prefer appendix? Like, what do you want? Yeah, like, right. I mean, well, again, well, we're not well, going to kill anybody. Is that any safer than the spleen? Yeah, you can live without both of them. And I mean, if, if I'd have thought appendix, maybe I'd have said it. But spleen, I thought, listen, you can be alive. But, man, imagine ripping a man's spleen out on the field and seeing him go down. I mean, I got to I gotta bet another ball carrier said, I ain't running the ball against some dudes. They rip no. spleens out. No. You know, that's, what that's, that's the kind of mentality you want. I'm impressed with all the people's uh, knowledge of anatomy because if you ripped a spleen out right in front of me, I'd have no idea what you just ripped out. Well, you know, some of our guys didn't know either, so I actually Googled, printed it out, and I had a picture <laughs> of it. Yeah. Hey, man, listen, I ain't going to tell you to do nothing without explaining it. You know, and that, I the told them it was safe and all that. They were looking at me like, safe, you know, what? Right? I brought in a picture of a spleen, so they knew. And, you know, that's one thing. I, I took anatomy, uh, kinesiology in college. Now, that's about the only thing I took. But – I figured I beat my body up and abused enough. I wanted to know about it. So I studied the body. So I know things about it. And I knew the spleen was a safe bet, you know, and then we can't go wrong. And again, it, to, to the gear, guys credit, it took, it took hold, man. And they, they kind of like looking to do that. So I love you it. You know, it's good for me. I love it. Well, congrats on the, on the head coaching role at Manchester. Again, you've got, you got some cool shoes to fill there, but this is your third head coaching gig, right? So you've been a head right. coach twice before. Yes. So we're going to get into something you probably get asked more than anything else on the planet, but we're going to get into it for a minute because how could we not? So you were a head coach most recently at Sebring, right? Right. Uh, before that, 2001 to 2003, you were the head football coach at St. Vincent St. Mary High School where yeah, you yes. just so happen to have this young dude uh, coming in at like six, seven, 
uh, kind of wiry back then named LeBron James uh, catching footballs <laughs> for your team. What's it like to have your name just attached to LeBron? Well, well, it, well here, here, I'll tell you a real quick story. When I was at Sebring, we were scrimmaging this team. Well, the coach comes over and goes, hey, bro, uh, you know, with, my kids would like to talk to you, you know, because you play ball and all that stuff. Well, you know, I poked my chest out, walked over. <laughs> I think, it, you know, they're going to ask me something about what's it like to play pro ball with them. I swear to God, they raised their hand. The first question was, what's it like to coach LeBron James? Man, I felt like about an inch and a half tall. I remember going, walking across the field going, damn, they didn't know me. They didn't remember. Their, I was too old. But they oh, wanted to know about LeBron. And, you know, the, to have him there, I remember Mark Murphy played with the Packers, coached with me at St. V2. And Mark and I were looking over the fence. It was like a JV game. We see this six, four and a half freshman catching balls and doing things. He just looked at, we were like, man, this guy's got to come up to varsity. And we went and talked to Jim, the head coach, and said, absolutely. And after that, I mean, his senior year, the only reason he didn't play his senior year is, remember, he broke his wrist in Chicago playing right. basketball. You right. know, mm -hmm. and his mom, Gloria, and I go way back. I knew her. And she used to always tell me, Jay, take care of my baby. And I, I looked at her one time and said, Glow, you got to remember, this guy's like 6'7", 220. <laughs> the DBs that are covering him are like 5'8", 150. He ain't going to get hurt. Jeez. Yeah. And I mean – but what, what I loved about him was after a successful sophomore year in freshman, he came out as a junior and he jumped the fence. We had won a game. And he said, Coach, I want to come back because we thought he was done. We all knew he was a prodigy and going to basketball. Oh, yeah. But all of his buddies played for football. So he wanted to be a part of it. Well, I wanted him to do the right thing and make sure that no, no one quite said, oh, LeBron can come out and do what he wants. I had the team vote on it. And to a man, they said, yes, absolutely get me back out. He came back out, and what I love about the kid or loved about him then is there's no airs, man. He came out and worked just as hard as everybody. He was a phenomenal receiver. He would take his helmet off and run scout team quarterback against us because he knew how to throw, run the option, everything. Wow. And he, he's a student of the game. Not only was he that talented, he knew the game, and, and he studied. He wanted to meet people like that. He, I, It was just – I looked at it the one time with all the publicity, the craziness going on, and figured this kid's 16 years old. And I go, could I have handled that? And I got recruited by all the big schools. I said, there's no way in hell at that age I could have handled the pressure and the press right. and the things that he went through. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You, you're a guy that's been around – you've been around stars, right? You've been around yeah. Dan Marino. You've been around – you know, you were, you were a star athlete growing up. Uh, uh, you know, making it into the NFL. You've been around star athletes. I, I wonder what it was like. That's your first head coaching gig. That's yeah. your first year as right. a coach. Now, you had been an assistant coach, and you'd been working in the coaching right. ranks before that. But your first year as a, as a head coach, and you get LeBron James, a, a <laughs> national prodigy, somebody that when you inherited LeBron James on your football team, everybody knew who LeBron James was. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it was in the LeBron boon. What was like again? You've been around stars forever. That had to have been just a simply unique experience, though. Oh, absolutely. And here, here's a couple of quick stories on that. Uh, Don Strack, we had a, a, a reunion with the Miami Dolphins. Don Strack got up and spoke and said, Hey, we'd like to uh, thank Bro for ruining the best uh, wide receiver in uh, the nation and letting him go play basketball. I mean, yeah, I hadn't seen him in like 20 years. And that was what was said, you know. But everybody thought right away, you win with all of that. Well, 
he, here's kind of an idea. We're in the practice field, and there leans Bob Huggins over the fence talking to our basketball coach. I mean, guys like that would stop by. It was no big deal. And, and, and again, to LeBron's credit, he was the kind of guy that if he missed a pass at practice, which is few, he'd say, my bad, you know, his fault. I mean, he really competed, and he loved doing that. You know, and then he'd go up to the gym after practice and shoot for two hours. So, I mean, the, the guy, again, we, we played a team in uh, Amish town, right, West Holmes yeah. and Holmes oh, County. Yeah. Well, we go down there, we play now. He makes some incredible catches. He does things that we just look at. I'm thinking to myself, how many people down here, you know, know about LeBron James and all these things going on? Well, after the game, we win. We get a bus, like the whole town outside the locker room. And I'm thinking, what's going on? Well, they came over and asked nicely. They said, hey, could uh, LeBron James sign some autographs? And I went, what? So I went in the locker room, and LeBron was getting dressed. I said, hey, LJ. I said, hey, you mind signing some autographs? He's like, no, coach. He went out and entertained for about 45 minutes, and everybody took pictures with him, autographs. And, and I mean, the buses were late. I finally said, hey, man, we got to go, you know, <laughs> get him on there. But, I mean, that's the kind of absurdity, the things that went on. I mean, it, you know, it's just and, – and the thing about it, what, what I really appreciated, though, was he never made it hard on us. He was humble. You know, he was one of the guys. My son played on the team. And they hung out and they had fun. And he was just a big kid. Great kid. That's great. That's great. All right, dude. Well, now let's take it back to the beginning. Okay, so you were born at what time? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I'm too young to remember. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> after after uh, after starring at Bookdale, okay, you know, you know, starting at Bookdale, grew up in Akron. Akron. What uh, you know, obviously, you know. You were getting recruited by some big-time schools. What took you to Miami, down to the U? I'll I tell you what. If you talk about uh, destiny and things in life that just really happen for odd, strange reasons that end up working out, I would say that's that whole process. First of all, uh, there was a guy, Al Manley, that was on my, I call it Space Face, Facebook uh, thing that was saying <laughs> he was going to listen to the show. Well, Al was a senior my junior year. He's one of my best friends of all time. And I always tell him, I thank him for getting me recruited because he threw me passes, man. He, he helped me get there. And he was a, a great old friend. Well, what happened was Miami was recruiting me. They found me playing linebacker when they were recruiting somebody else. But they come up to recruit me. Well, at the time, my dad drove truck through uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, down through Ohio. And I had Woody Hayes, Bo Sembecker, and those guys. Bo gave my dad a big cigar. He grew up in Barberton right down the road. Well, I'm, I got it narrowed down. I'm thinking, okay, Miami, Ohio State, Michigan, and I think Arizona was in there, one, one of them teams. But sure. Woody's on the game at Clemson, and I'm watching the game, and that's when Woody hit yes. the kid from Clemson. Well, oh. my dad looks at me, and I look, and I go, oh, you know, I'm thinking, holy shit, what, you know, <laughs> I, there's got to be some repercussions. You know, so the next thing you know, Woody's <laughs> yeah. out in Ohio State. Oh, Earl Bruce, to his credit, did a great job recruiting. <laughs> but it was so, you know, so much happened there that I just exited Ohio State out. And then Michigan uh, tells me that Miami's getting put on probation. They don't care about you. Uh, Baba Sanat. And I go, what? So I call a friend. Well, they fly up Len Fonts, one of the Fonts brothers, who used to be Wayne, the head coach at Detroit. Mm -hmm. His brother Len 
They were from Kent. Flies up, takes me in the office of my coach, and they call the NCAA. The NCAA says, whoever told you that's lying. So, X name Michigan. And I got to tell Bo on the phone, I'm not coming. Man, I thought he was ready to come through the phone. But <laughs> I'm like, oh. But I found out Howard Snellenberger sold all of us on a dream. What he told us was, within five years, we will challenge for the national championship and the opportunity to play. So I, I can't tell you how he did it, but for some reason, I believed it. And I knew there was a shot to play. So I said, you know what? And I had a great night down in Miami recruiting trip. Swimming in the pool was negative two here. And I'm in there with, with, with girls in bikinis. I mean, hell, it ain't a hard sell. You know, it, it wasn't like I was looking at the school. I went down, I went down for other reasons. But regardless, I, I went down. Well, here's the here's the odd thing about all that. I go down as a tight end my freshman year. Now I let her. I played every game. But at the end of the year, I found out what a business division one football school was. And at that time, they didn't like us in school being ballplayers. Uh, Miami's a private independent school. They already got rid of basketball. They weren't fond of football. So I decided, you know what? I'm 19 years old. And like every 19 year old kid, I know all there is to know about life <laughs> that I'm quitting. I'm quitting and I'm oh. leaving. Yeah, I'm leaving. Oh. But I did, I did just up and quit. I went to coach and talked to him uh, several times. And I just said, I don't know if I'm coming back. Well, being the smart, intelligent 19 year old I was, I didn't. But here's the problem. <laughs> I wasn't in another school at the time. And I'm going, well, I'll get that together. But in the meantime, my brother Ray tells me that, hey, we can go out of town, work this job with me. You can get away and think. Well, that was another setup. I go to West Helena, Arkansas. And what my job, oh, I'm going to tell you. Now, my (laughs) job was cleaning the lamp black out of a Mohawk rubber plant that had been closed. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So now I'm cleaning. I used to look like Al Joseph walking out after work, just totally covered head to toe. And we would shower at a hotel. Now, West Helena, Arkansas, none of you know where that is because no. no one else does either. <laughs> I will no. not, to this day, I will not take a plane that flies over the state of Arkansas for fear I would crash and survive and have to spend one more day in that damn <laughs> I'm telling you, it was the armpit of the world. Now, after about a month down there, I was standing over the Mississippi River, half toasted. I had some beers in me. And I started crying because I'm thinking, what the hell did I do? You know, this was crazy. Well, I didn't just up and quit. So Howard had contacted my parents and said, hey, I'm leaving the scholarship open because I think he needs to get a feel. You know, he needs to know what's going on. So I said, okay. And am I still there, guys? Yeah, you're still here. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I go, well, I'm going to give them a call. Well, at the time, they were playing in the Peach Bowl. Why, my sorry ass just got home from working months in Arkansas at $5, oh. $5 an hour. Oh. And here I am talking to Hubbard Alexander, who was my recruiter. And I talked to him, and he goes, hey, bro. Hey, I understand. He goes, let us get back to town. We talk about this. Well, lo and behold, I got Snellenberger, who told my parents that, kept the scholarship open. I went back in the spring, took 18 credit hours, got credit six in the summer, so I was eligible to play my sophomore year. Now, what's so ironic about that, and 
Coach Abadati used to call it bro sabbatical. Man, he went shit. It was a sabbatical. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you wanted a, a come to Jesus moment, that was it. But I, wow. I, I came back, and here's the ironic part. I got a medical red shirt for the year I left. Now, here's what's great. My fifth year of football, we won the first ever national championship at the University of Miami, and I yes. was one of the captains. Now, yes. I'd have graduated the year before. I wouldn't have been there. I wouldn't have been there. I'd have graduated the year. I would have been gone. So sometimes the stupidest things we do in life, the, the ideas that we're throwing into things, make us better. I, I had to recommit myself, and I had to understand it was a business, all these things, but my love of the game had never changed. So. Here I end up one of the captains of a national championship when I could have been out of my ear. So I, I now look at with kids or anybody I talk to, second chances, man, are something you really have to take advantage of. I mean, you, you try it with kids and sometimes it doesn't work, but sometimes that's all you need. And I think that was what coach realized. Jay, I think you should have like a winter home in West wherever the hell it was. Arkansas. Oh, Jesus. West Allen, Arkansas. And the only reason Look what I that place did that, for you. Well, you know what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but, hey, but I, let me be honest. They're too stupid down there to understand what it did. I, I'm sorry. I'm calling that place out. West Allen, Arkansas sent education back 20 years when I was there. I, I mean, I used to just shake my head. I'm telling you, I, I cannot believe like the unawareness, the, the life. And again, what am I doing? I'm, I was up there with a razor blade, scratching paint off windows on top of a two-story building. And what the hell am I doing for five bucks? Oh my God. And without it, <laughs> would you be a national champion? Who knows? No, you know what? No. Now see that, you know what? There's a point well taken. That's what, again, the drive was and my understanding when I got back that I can't bitch no more. You know, I saw the other side. You know, and again, as that well-knowledgeable 19-year-old, I really had a baby. You know, Jesus. So, Jay, you're like – the the funny thing about you is you you just look through your, your past and all that, and you're just – like, for anybody born after 1970, essentially, a Cleveland sports fan, you just have connections to the biggest Cleveland sports figures, right? So we already <laughs> talked about LeBron James – well, if you had to ask who the biggest sports figures in Cleveland in recent history are, you're going to talk about LeBron James, and then you're going to talk about this guy from Youngstown that went to play college football at Miami named Bernie Kosar. You who, got it. Who led one of the great eras of Cleveland Browns football. You go down there, and you team up with Bernie Kosar, and the two of you win that national championship for Miami uh, were you, did you have any knowledge of Bernie Kosar? You know, he's a, he's an Ohio guy. You were an Ohio guy. Did, did, did that bring you guys together while you were down there? Well, what's funny is, uh, I knew he's from board, but I knew about the guy and I knew about him coming in. What I didn't know is that big ass six, five and a half gangly quarterback was not only a genius that he was a funny son of a bitch too, but I, I enjoyed it, and I and I, I again I go to the story. Him and Vinny Testaverde are competing in the spring for the starting job. I love well, it. Well, me being a, a a linebacker, I want to see what I can get away with. So <laughs> I would fake I'd fake a blitz. I'd fake a blitz and act like you know I'm doing something or talking, and I'd call out a number. Now I could walk up and blitz, and I'd catch Vinny's ass, you know, not being aware of it. You did that stuff against Bernie. By the time you took a step, he was giggling. 
he was already checking <laughs> off. I mean, I mean, he just knew the guys, the guys, uh, his ability to understand the game and know where his third, fourth receiver and stuff was, was uncanny. And his delivery, everything, he just knew. He laughed about it. He was the most competitive guy. When we beat Nebraska in the Orange Bowl, I can remember him in my center, my roommate, Ian Sinclair, walking out of a meeting and burning them and them laughing, going, man, we're going to throw all of these guys. I mean, that, he just, man, he just about understanding the game. He still is a genius. I mean, but I don't like quarterbacks, you know. So <laughs> I love Burn. I love Burn, but I also hate him because he's a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Love or hate it, man. You guys are champions together. So you you go through all that. You're down in Miami, and then you get to stay in Miami. Uh, yeah. You know how nice was that? You're a second round draft pick in the NFL draft, and you get to stay in Miami with the Dolphins. Was that something you wanted? Yeah. You know what? I was always a Dolphin fan growing up. My one one of my older brothers tried to beat my ass because I was cheering for the Dolphins against the Browns. You know, so he yeah, got that's a problem, back. Jay. Yeah, I know. I didn't realize. That's a problem. I, was 13, I was 13. You know, I didn't know shit when I was 19. So I was 13. <laughs> what the hell did you think? You know, so, well, anyway, but I, I was a fan. So I was all could kick, Murky Morris, all those guys. And to get down there, be drafted by him again, it's a fantasy. That shit doesn't happen. Well, it happened to me. And I went out there and I got to meet all these guys, do all that. So the other, the other funny thing about that is, now, I go to Miami. In my rookie year, we go to the Super Bowl, and I end up starting in the Super Bowl. Now, my agent and my one of my old best friends still is, like a brother, Scott Ferris, is getting calls because there's a trivial question, guys. And maybe you guys can answer this. All right. Who's the only player that in known history that won a national championship or played for a national championship in the same city and the next year Go to the Super Bowl from that same city. Now, I found Jay Brophy. We know the answer. Right now, but here's what's bad. <laughs> now, Tony Dorsett went from Pittsburgh to Dallas, and they won the Super Bowl. As soon as we lost the Super Bowl, I didn't hear shit from any of the people anymore. <laughs> Man, if we if we would have won, if we'd have won, I'd have probably been on I'd have been on Letterman. But when we lost, man, ain't nothing. Hey, I didn't get any call. They were like, "You loser," but it's still. It's still a trivial question. I don't know anybody has never found out anybody to go back to back from the same city. So, I mean, for me, what a whirlwind couple of years. I mean, when a national title, yeah. Super Bowl, same city, all the stuff that went on is just, it's a lot in a short period of time. And again, the league for most of us, uh, it stands for not for long. And that's just the way it is, yeah. you know? And actually my rookie year or my second year, I played against Bernie and them Cleveland in the playoffs. So I saw Bernie in the goalpost and we were shooting the shit before the game. You know, so it's just, it's just so weird how things work out. So it's obviously that was a different time, right? Uh, uh, while the national title game and while the Super Bowl were still big deals, they weren't quite the spectacles that they put on oh. now uh, with all the money and, and all the craziness. Uh, but uh, you, you did both and you did them in back-to-back years. So uh, compare the national title game where you beat the great Tom Osborne and those Nebraska teams were great teams. You, uh, you, you, you beat Nebraska in the national title. The next year you play uh, the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Compare those games. What, what, was, what were the big differences? What was that like to, to do that in back-to-back years? 
the biggest difference in the world is, is we won the goddamn national championship and lost. <laughs> you know, you know. I mean, being honest, but the thing about it was, you know, one thing about Miami was great. This was Howard's prediction five years. Now we go in there, we're fourteen point dogs at home. On the cover of Sports Illustrated was who could stop the Nebraska steamroller? They're averaging over fifty something a game. Now I had had a fractured, dislocated hand. I had pins pulled. I had a cast on. Again, imagine a cast in college too. Well, they had to cut it off. They tell me a few nights for the game. Oh, you can't play with pins in your hand and a hard cast. So they take me to the hospital on campus, cut the damn cast off, and take a pair of wire snips and rip the pins out. Oh right? my god! So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get, I get back, and the trainer looks at me, and goes, "You can't do that." I'm like, "Well, what the hell am I gonna do?" They made a rubberized cast so I could play, and the, the thing was. We had a lot of guys banged up. Kenny Sisker type linebacker went out the first series or whatever of the game for the whole game, blew his knee out. We had a ton of injuries. And I still claim to this day that, that no, even though uh, Nebraska was huge and had the Heisman Trophy winning all these all-pro guys, we would have beat them a lot worse if we were healthy because of what Howard had taught us and the way we approach games. Oh my God! Just bringing out the, the the snippers and bringing the the stuff out of you. Oh my God! Yeah, wipe wipe it off with a rag and send me back in the van. I still have my pants on my uh, just my shoulder pants. <laughs> it's like that's that's like the definition of of rub some dirt on it and get back in. Absolutely. There. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't a sanitized rag. That's for damn sure. But Jay, that is. As much as I would love to talk about the national championship and the Super Bowl and all that, you've just given us a perfect transition into the next thing we wanted to talk to you about. And it's something that you're involved with to this day. Uh, It's really that theme of toughness and football and how that is evolving and you being a high school football coach now. I mean, I can only imagine the difference uh, that you, you know, as a high school football coach. (laughs) Uh, the differences between what you have to kind of think about and 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 worry about as opposed to your high school football coach at Bookdel. Uh So it's a perfect transition because, uh, and again, you you talk pretty freely about this, uh, but uh, you know you're you're part of this this thing that we are all very well aware of now with things like CTE and 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 the research in the NFL. Uh, so you know you're a tough as nails linebacker. We talked about you playing with broken thumbs and all that. Um, uh, what's, what's that like? How, do, how are you balancing that? Uh, you know, you want to make kids tough and, and, and encourage the toughness for the kids and all that stuff. But at the same time, you have to be overly concerned with their safety. Well, obviously not real well when I'm telling them to rip spleens out, but, but, <laughs> you know, but honestly though, the thing is we do take concussion serious. We do take head contact serious. And I'll be very honest. I do not do tackling instruction. Because I can't do it the way they do it now. I'm going to put your head in front, wrap that guy, put your head in his chest, knock the dog shit out of him, stop. Yeah. Instead of behind, wrap <laughs> and do that. But, but there's some things that I'm really encouraged about. And, and it's not only the, the CD. Now, I'm in the NFL lawsuit. I got diagnosed about six years ago with uh, early onset dementia. So I ain't met long for this world anyway. But, yeah, and again, you got to know it's affected me. Crazy hell, I got married, have two young kids. When I already had grown kids. So, I mean, you know, it just shows you. I ain't all right. but And I follow the winningest guy. I follow the guy the winningest guy in history. Come on. I mean, it ain't right. But what I do is, again, we, we take this serious. 
there is a way to play with the head out. If it got to the point where it wasn't football to me, I wouldn't coach it. It's still football. Now, here's a great tool. Uh, now, the Steelers got it, I know, but Dartmouth, uh, Buddy T, Buddy Tevens, Tevens is the head coach up there. They developed that robot dummy. Now, what's great about it, runs a 4-7. It's computerized, and it's a dummy. And uh, Dartmouth does no live tackling at all and never will. They said they'll never go back to it. It's all robotic. Now, Pittsburgh Steelers has like three or four of them, and they can run routes on it. You can tackle it. You can beat it up, and it's not that body. So I'm looking to try to get one. Again, even at Manchester, for the reason is you can have kids really wallop it, tackle it, roll with it, and it's not another body. And what you do is – and there's coaches that have done this in history that are not big bad guys during the week. Let the kids do it Friday night. So there's there's ways you can handle this and do it. It's just you're much more uh, cognizant of it now. I mean, you have to be. And in, in your approach to the way you work guys at practice and, and not beat on them, it's changed all drastically since the way we have, but probably for the better. Now, Jay, is is – now, okay. Now, what? It, obviously, it's it's a great thing to think about safety. Do you think now, as you go up the levels, do you think is there a point where it's too much? Like, like for instance, I don't know. Like the NFL now has like a, a body yes. weight rule. Like they expect it. Like they expect a, a guy to be able to kind of switch his momentum within milliseconds right. as he's tackling a guy. Like, is is it is is it too much? Like, what? Like, at what point is it too much? I guess. Yeah, it's too much. Question. I agree. Right now, it's too much, and I think that's why <laughs> yeah. you see. Shoulder injuries, poor tackling, things like that. Now, I'll give you a prime example. Everybody okay. wanted to, uh, to say about uh, the hit by Kansas City with the guy leaving his helmet, the ball goes out of bounds. Okay, great. But did you watch Kareem Hunt come through the line of scrimmage, dip his head, and level the guy with his head? Yep. Well, that's targeting. Don't give me that crap. This is an offensive guy can do that, but defensively can't. No, and here's one of the problems. You can't regulate violence. All right, now, uh, cheap shots over the middle, uh, things like that leading it. I can, I can see that. But when you talk mm-hmm. about head-to-head contact up front or uh, say a running back running at you full speed, and I'm running him full speed, he dips in the last minute. Now, uh, within a fraction of a second, I'm supposed to say, oh, Jesus, let me get my helmet up and tackle you with my shoulder. <laughs> that shit ain't happening. Yeah. So we've got way <laughs> too many reviews. Wait, the targeting in college. It's just a shame. It's criminal because these poor kids get thrown out of a game and have to sit out a half of another game. And there's no reason. Hey, give them a 15 yard penalty. And they do something obvious like that again. If it's that obvious, then next time kick them out or something. But this is, it's gotten to a point where again, you can't put uh, flags on us and play contact football. It just isn't going to happen. Yeah. So you brought it up. You, you brought up the, uh, uh, the, the situation, uh, you know, you're involved, uh, the early onset dementia diagnosis, uh, and, and that's been such a big talk, uh, especially in the NFL. Um, I don't know that a lot of people know a lot about that and about what's going on with that. Are there, are there any developments going on with that? And, 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 you know, what are people, you know, let's say a group of people like yourself, uh, you know, what are you guys looking for? What are you trying to change, uh, or affect the game positively going forward for, for player safety's sake? Well, I think, you know, you're good. that's a good question because I didn't know at first. Now, I was part of the Boston-Harvard study where the doctors addressed CTE, and we've all got it. It's just basically 
That's what it is. But the treatments and things they're working on, the tau protein that the buildup they're worried about would cause the CTE. Well, people don't understand there's six types of tau protein. So it's isolating right. everything in the brain. It's the final frontier. Now, what, what gives us hope is that they are working on it and there are studies like crazy. Now, I may not say me or else, but I think future-wise, it will. And there's there's all kinds of things they're finding that can buffer the brain, that can uh, create new new ways. And that's what I look at. And I would say the other big thing is, is uh, having therapy. Uh, I went to a neuropsychologist uh, six, seven years ago. And that's when I got diagnosed because hell, I was just forgetting shit. I'd forget how to go places. I'd go to the store and come on. My wife look at me and go, oh, you brought the, the tie, didn't you? I go, what? And I had no clue. Yep. And I, I was just totally forgetting. I'm missing the meetings and everything. And it started to become really a problem. Well, first they want to treat you with uh, doctors that you're depressed. It's depression. Well, that's the worst thing you do is put you on that and alter your mind even more. Yeah. So the, right. the mental the the mental part of going through therapy, understanding, take the testing, understand what you got. And the biggest thing that's helped me is in any problem you have like that, you go through stages. First, I'm pissed. Then I'm upset. Then I'm uh, depressed. Then I'm this. Well, now this is an acceptance, all right? I understand. I've got a loss of words. I don't have uh, filters. So I say what the hell's on my mind. Well, that's not too bad. You know, screw it. You don't <laughs> like it? You know, fuck me. I don't care. But, you know, you got... You got filters that are not there, so you can blow up real easy. Well, you have to learn tools to get you. Because I used to fly off the hand over nothing, you know, break shit and not, and go, why? And then you come right back down. Well, yeah. you start getting an understanding of all that, and, and that helps. There's support groups. There's a site, Dignity After Football, that is devoted to a lot of us to have problems. And, you know, you get on here and you share things with people. And, and again, my biggest thing is, is to make sure the NFL plays a phone role. And I'll tell you right now, Mahomes was playing Saturday. You know that. Hell, oh, yeah. ain't no concussion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He could have been mm. brain dead and they resuscitated. <laughs> you ain't missing that goddamn game. Yeah, right now. Weekend and, that's and, and that's the reality of it. But I, I, I think with all the things that are coming up with and they're, and they're doing, the NFL backs away from putting their money too much towards that because they don't want to ruin their image. But the studies are out there. Things are happening. And we're getting tested. So I, I again I feel like the the future is is gonna be good that we are gonna find these answers and be able to help a lot of people. Yeah, I you know, I think uh I think that's a great answer. And again, I think a lot of people just kind of heard about what was going on with all that and, and didn't really understand you know the details or what people were looking for, uh as far as changes and all that are concerned. So uh, I think that's just, uh, it's an awesome thing to hear. And, and Jay, uh, listen, man, this is, this has been awesome. Uh, I know you talked earlier on about being the head coach at Manchester there and not feeling a ton of pressure uh, because of everything that you've done. But I also can imagine the competitive juices for a guy like you, an old linebacker, don't exactly just stop. And so oh hell no, I would imagine that you don't, you might have had uh, one of the first losing seasons in Manchester in a long time, but I imagine uh, we don't look for a lot more of those. To well, the here's the way I look at that now, and here's the deal. I've threatened my kids with an inch of their life that if we don't win mortgage, <laughs> we lose. We're all going to be gone. So Ripping you know, out they, know, they know 
they better rip some spleens and come ready to work. No, <laughs> you know, no, and from a daughter's point, I love our guys. we got a great group coming back. We were shut down with COVID last year. We only got six games in. There was a lot of factors. We're going to be just fine coming back. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited about this year. And, and hopefully things are back to some kind of normalcy where, you know, if I see another uh, kid, I have to take his temperature and put a mask on. Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm losing. <laughs> but, you know, that ain't coaching. But I understand, you know. So yes. we'll be all right this year when we get it going. Hey, hey, Jay, listen, we'll, before well, before we let you go, Jay, uh, uh, someone, our mutual friend Cecil West, yes. uh, wanted wanted me to uh, wanted me to, to let you know. He like he informed me that John oh, Randall Alabama. was your favorite offensive lineman of all night. Yeah, you wanted, to me, you wanted me to. He wanted me to inform you that John Hanna was your favorite offensive line. Oh, ever, Jesus right? Christ. That, oh, no. True? No. John Hanna. <laughs> J- this is honest God truth story, and Cecil knows that. Now, John Hanna, when he got put in the Hall of Fame, all they did was watch two films against me playing, and they just fucking put him right in. I mean, they, <laughs> he, kicked, he kicked my ass. They said, if he kicked this guy's ass that bad in two games, hell, his other games must have been great, too. He's in. No, man, I tell you, his brother Charlie was played for Oakland. Charlie wasn't as a killer. Man, Hog Hannah, this day, he told me, no, he didn't. Man, I tell you, like hitting a steel machine. That guy, I still have nightmares, and it's been 30-some years. He was <laughs> a stud. All right, last thing before I let you out of here. As a linebacker, as an NFL linebacker, a Super Bowl player, a national champion, there's a question we want to know here in Northeast Ohio because uh, we know you're a Dolphin, but we're we're a Cleveland group. We're we're a Browns group. Uh, there's a linebacker you just brought up the Hall of Fame. We've talked about linebackers. There's a linebacker from the Browns that uh, is currently a finalist oh, for the yes. NFL Hall of Fame. It's Clay Matthews, a Hall of Famer. Clay Matthews by far is a Hall of Famer, and it's a shame he hasn't been in already. Uh, and I'll be honest, I mean that's that's a guy. Look at how many years did he play? Thirty five. Jesus Christ, he's playing yeah. plays forever <laughs> right. at a right. high level. Right. And he was a hey, he he was one of those guys that defined that outside backer spot. And and you know what? No, he absolutely is a Hall of Famer. Oh, you're gonna have a lot. You, you can say you love the Dolphins, but you're gonna have a lot of Browns fans that love you after that. So Jay Brophy. Uh, again, the head coach currently of the Manchester Panthers, uh, but uh, the resume, as we talked about before, speaks for itself. Jay, we really, really appreciate your time. We had a great time talking with you. I feel like we only scratched the surface. So oh, we might hell yeah. Time. I got at least nine, ten more hours we can do right now. <laughs> yeah, but, yes. but now we'll, we'll save it for another time. And we got to do I'll a happy get, hour. I'll get, oh, God. If we do get in the garage, it may be a two or three day deal. <laughs> but, all right. I'll make sure. Well, hell, I'm not sleeping. I'm going straight through. Let's uh, go. Boom, boom. Boom. Ripping spleens. Yeah. Yeah, ripping yeah. spleens. Oh, shit. We'll demonstrate. Well, I'm, hey, I'm going to get on my guys, man, because I think you guys are doing a great job. Uh, I love the name because if anybody can't relate to beers in the garage, if you're a right. man and a sports man, Jesus. Come I mean, on. That's what it's all Come about. On. Hey, I, really you know is. what? I enjoy this. I love this format. You guys do a great job. Uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be pushing you guys on and doing that. And I'll be contacting you with some guys, and we'll we'll get some more guys on there telling stories. Hopefully, not as good as mine. No, Let's well, go. no. How could they? But <laughs> we'll go. be watching. We'll be watching the Man- Manchester Panthers. Uh, 
maybe with it, we'll go undefeated next year. Let's call Manchester God undefeated right. after this Let's interview. Say, hey, hey, why not set the bar high? I, all I can do is fail. <laughs> yeah, let's go. All right, Jay Brophy, uh, former linebacker in the NFL, champion at Miami. Jay, we really appreciate your time. Have an awesome night, and, uh, and good luck in season number two down at Manchester. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it, man. Good luck. And once again, that was Jay Brophy, the current uh, head football coach of the Manchester Panthers, uh, filling in some big, big shoes down there. And, man, if anybody's got the energy – and the know-how to do it, man. Jay Brophy's going to do it. What a great guest. Again, if you came into this not knowing who Jay Brophy was, we're talking about a guy that played with Bernie Kosar in college, Dan Marino in the pros. Uh, he's coached LeBron James high school football. Like, the resume is awesome. Uh, he's going to do great things there. Uh, and, and, Chad, that's all you, buddy. You, you got Jay on the show, and, and that was awesome. He was Dude. awesome. I, I mean, and like you said at the end of that interview, man, we we are only scratching the surface. Like, I could have talked to that guy for like until seven o'clock tomorrow morning when I had to go to work. Like, like I, and I'm and I'm sure he would have had plenty of stories for us. So it was just, I, 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 honestly, it was just awesome. And oh my god, what he's probably the right guy too. I mean, even if he doesn't win, he's probably the right guy to transition from a coach like Jim France. <laughs> yeah. at, at where not one not one losing season in like 135 years of coaching and and and, and to feel no pressure so yeah I, what a guy I, everybody out there needs to listen to it because it was just such an awesome interview ripping spleens ripping spleens guys, <laughs> guys i know i know it's been a transition because we interviewed jay a little earlier but i don't even care on this podcast uh colin sexton is putting on uh, a, a show for the ages in this Cavs game. Phenomenal continuity. <laughs> I can't. I, it, it's not continuity. Five minutes later in overtime. <laughs> I, you know what? I don't even give a shit. This performance, Colin Sexton just pulled up on Kevin Durant for a three in double overtime. A performance, the bench is going ballistic. This is awesome. I'm going to keep talking about it. I don't care. But while we get ready for that and, and more explosions from me on the Cavs and their uh, game against the Nets tonight, let's get into the Browns a little bit. And again, we're not going to make this a funeral for the Browns. Uh, oh my God, Colin Sexton, a fadeaway three-pointer over Kevin Durant. The Cavs are up 11 in double overtime. This is amazing. Uh, we're not wow. going to make this, we're not going to make this a funeral for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, we're all bummed. They lost like it is what it is. They lost a game. They could have won. And they went toe-to-toe with a team that is expected to be the class of the NFL. And granted, they did it for a significant portion without that team's best player, uh, Patrick Mahomes. But uh, with all that being said, what – pardon my language here, fellas. What a fucking season for the Cleveland Browns. Whoa. What a season. Yeah, I don't really think there's a whole lot you can look back – on the season and say, I mean, I know people do because it's evident on Twitter and anywhere people can voice their senseless thoughts. Um, but you, you, I don't know how you look back on the season as a Browns fan and say, oh, my God, we could have done so much. Like, yeah, okay, I guess we could have won against Oakland. We probably could have stopped Chad Henney from running for 14 yards yeah. or 13 and a half yards. But 
I don't know if we really thought that we'd be talking about the Browns in a divisional game against the Chiefs uh, in January back in August. So, you know, I, I think it's just a huge uh, step forward for this organization. I think, you know, they're really going to look into Baker's contract in this offseason. It kind of sounds like, you know, um, they've been kind of quiet about it. Uh, this week. And it kind of makes you feel like, you know, that they're deep in talks with that right now with Angie Barry and Baker and um, which is really exciting. And, you know, I, I think we're going to see some big defensive improvements, hopefully get somebody that can line up next to miles Garrett and uh, attack the quarterback. And um, it's, it's exciting time to be a Browns fan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I told, uh, you, you know, like I said on the recap on, um, I don't know, was it Sunday? God, it seems like forever ago now. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, you know, I was going to be pissed that night, but you know, when you look back on it, what an amazing year. Uh, I, I mean, what, what leaps they made and, and, you know, and they were a year ahead of schedule pretty much too. They, 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 Andrew Barry fixed the offense in, in this offseason, and he kind of knew that they were going into that season punting on the defense because you can't fix it all. Okay, you know, you sign a bunch of, you know, average guys to, to one-year contracts, hoping they can make plays, hoping to catch lightning in a bottle, and, and you knew you had an elite offense. And, and the leaps that they just made, especially with a rookie head coach in Kevin Stefanski, Stefanski, the levity, the continuity that he brought to this team – It's unspeakable. Like I like just get emotional about it because we've been waiting so long for this, guys. We've been waiting so long. How how long? Even after 2002, 2007, how how long have we been preaching? You know, continuity. The the, the Browns are going to have to stick out, stick it out with a coach eventually. The Browns are going to have to stick it out with a quarterback eventually, and we have that now. They're going to stay have to stick it out with a GM, and we have that now. And they're yeah. all on the same page working towards the same goal. There's no bullshit drama or controversy yes. or yes. this. We're going into, we're going into an off season, literally going. We're only so many players away and that's it. That's all we have to worry about. And it's real. That's it's it. real. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pause. I'm going to pause for a minute. Yeah. The Cavaliers beat the Nets in double overtime. Colin Sexton, 42 points in this game. Everybody on the Cavs that played tonight scored in double figures, except for Isaac Okoro, who scored eight. Everybody else scored in double figures. What a win for the Cavaliers tonight uh, against the Nets. Anyways, back to the Browns. Sorry. Well, welcome back. I mean, this is the first season in I don't know how long where you don't have to worry about your quarterback or your head coach oh. or your GM. You have to worry about the defense, which is an afterthought when you don't have a quarterback for 20 straight years. <laughs> right? Uh, like, I don't know. This is now the unknown is how do we address the defense in the offseason? You know, listen, it, it's, it's, uh, right? the hardest thing, the hardest thing about this week has been that the Browns could have won that game and, and probably should have given themselves a better chance to win, right? Like, if Patrick Mahomes would have stayed healthy all game, and the Chiefs would have won by 17 points. We all would have been like, man, great season. That was yeah. fun. We played the Chiefs. We got a learning experience in the playoffs. We beat the Steelers. Fuck them. We don't have to yeah. worry about that. Uh, right. the, the hardest pill to swallow this whole week has been, oh, my God. Then Mahomes went out. Chad Hetty came in, threw an interception. 
Uh, Baker was cooking. Like Baker ugly was ugly interception. Baker like was playing really ugly. Yeah. Baker was playing <laughs> out of his mind. Uh, we really had a chance. And, 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 and you can talk about the fumble into the end zone and you can talk about the punt at the end of the game. But man, I thought the hardest thing about this game was I thought when they were in third and 14, I was like, cool, the Browns are going to get the ball back with a minute and a half. And Baker Mayfield is going to take this team down the field with a chance to win it. And we never got to see it. And that was the hardest pill to swallow. But listen, it's a learning experience. There's, there's going to be some changes to this team. I think there's going to be some big time defensive changes, but when you talk about the 2020 NFL season for the Cleveland Browns, it is that turning point. You got the right coach. Nobody disputes it. Yeah. Not only do you have the right coach, but you have the right coach and the right, right GM and they like each other. They get along. Like we don't talk right. about it enough. How many right. times have we had the Ray farmer, Mike Pettin situation where they don't like each other or uh, Hugh Jackson and fucking anyone. And they don't like each other. Uh, right. You've got the head coach and the GM right. and they just enjoy each other. And you've got your quarterback and you've got all the pieces on right. offense. The offense is good. And you just need, you need those right. guys that got hurt in the secondary to come back. Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams. You need a couple pieces on that line and you need some linebacker help. And you're talking about, and this is going to sound crazy, but you're talking about a Super Bowl contender. Think about that. And you get OBJ back next year. Yes. This team, this Cleveland Browns team, this Cleveland Browns team with this coach and this quarterback and everything else they got, this Cleveland Browns team is get, get excited, get excited Cleveland fans because your Browns are going to be a contender for the Super Bowl next year. They are going to be. At bare minimum, I mean, at the bare minimum, AFC Championship. That bare minimum, yeah. uh, I mean, it, it's gonna, it's, 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 it is. It's you know, like like Jake Burns said, it's gonna be the off season of investing in the defense. And I'm really, really curious to see where Andrew Barry goes with this, how he does it, but you know, with it with the mix between free agency and uh, the draft. I, I'm really curious, and I, I just. I can't wait. I don't know how to really elaborate on it. Yeah. I, I mean, I know everybody is everybody now is already coming up with their like 850 mock drafts. And I'm just kind of like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm already excited. How many days is it? How many days? <laughs> well, the 200 and so the hard part, <laughs> the hard part about the whole situation is that usually in these like mock draft situations, they're talking about these college players. And I'm like, Oh, the Browns could take that guy or the Browns could take that guy or the Browns could take that guy. And now I'm sitting here going, well, shit, I want that guy, but there's no way he's going to be there at 26. I want that guy, but he's not going to be there at 26. Is this what it's like to be good? How weird is it? it, But like, uh, how weird is it that you're going to have to watch the draft for more than like 10 minutes? (laughs) 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 Well, enough beer is going to make it worth it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> you know what? It, it, it's also nice just going and knowing I have faith in Andrew Barry. And yeah. and let's not forget the name that should be mentioned constantly, Paul D. Podesta. Yeah. Uh, I have faith yeah, in Paul D. Podesta and Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski and his crew. 
I think Browns fans are so used to this turmoil at the end of every season since the Jurassic era that uh, I think we're going a little crazy. We got Browns fans talking about how they should get rid of Odell. We got Browns. We got a, uh, uh, there's one guy on Twitter that has done like a whole freaking thing about why the Browns should get rid of Jarvis Landry. He's an idiot. That's dumb. He's probably a nice guy. He's probably a nice guy. I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to say his name or whatever on here, but like, what are you talking about? Jarvis Landry. You don't get rid of Jarvis Landry, you idiot. Uh, you've got. Let's see who has chemistry with Baker. Mm, no, let's just. Let's you're right, right. You've got. You've got the whole contingent of people that are like fire Joe Woods, and I'm like, have you not? Do you not know Joe Woods' resume? Like, do you not know what he's done in this league? Do you yeah. know what he's done with this bunch of right. people in this defense that should not be put, like together on the same team? I don't give he, a shit if Chad Henney was in or not. He just him and his defense just gave up 22 points to the Chiefs. Yeah. That's a game you expect to win. If you would have told me going into the game last weekend that the Browns were only going to give up 22 points to the Kansas City Chiefs, I'd have been like, holy shit, we're playing in Buffalo. Well, it was a fourth quarter, and it was like 19, wasn't it? 19 right. to 3? Right. And going into the fourth quarter? Get out of here. Get, get right. out of here. Joe Woods, give Joe Woods the talent okay. on defense, and he is going to do what he has proven to do in this league and make them good. So, like, Browns okay, fans. Turmoil. We don't need it. We, no, we don't we have don't. to be that team anymore. It's no. not your fault. It's not your fault, Browns fans. It's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. Okay. Uh, all right. Listen. <laughs> now, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, because oh again, don't, don't, don't like, uh, don't shoot the messenger here, because I don't want to get rid of Jarvis either. Hell, I'm the one that pointed out that Jarvis argument to you, <laughs> but. Uh, what do you think on the field? Absolutely. It, it makes absolutely zero sense for, for, for them to get rid of Jarvis. But what's your, what's your take on the money situation with the cap going down and, and, and Jarvis and OBJ making the money that they're making? What's, what's your take on that? Well, listen, I think, I think there's, I think there's a couple things that saved the Browns that I think didn't get discussed in that conversation. One, uh, I do think they're probably going to extend Baker. And that's a good thing because uh, Baker is not going to get extended at like elite number one level, like Patrick Mahomes money. It, Baker's going to be extended yeah. where Baker should be extended. And that's going to save the Browns. Uh, I think you still have a ton of players on that kind of rookie deal uh, that I, I think the Browns can continue again. Uh, next year, the year after that, who knows what they've got to look at, uh, and 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 you've got to prioritize. That's that is the the dilemma of being a good football team. That's why I'm glad we have guys like Paul D. Podesta and Andrew Barry that understand the dilemma of being a good football team is you're not going to be able to keep all your good players. Yeah. However, that this is not the year that needs to get talked about. It's not the year. Uh-huh. You don't need to uh, like it's it's very reactive to the fact that they just lost in the playoffs and it's very early and it doesn't need to be that early. So, no, uh, the money might become a problem at some point and you're going to the Browns, unfortunately, are going to see some fan favorites that can't play for the team for the next 15 years. And that just is what it is. Yeah. 
Uh, however, this is not the time. We're still all right. We're still, like the Browns are still fine with right. cap space. Right. 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 Okay. Yeah. Just just curious because you know I again I'm not well versed on like the cap or like the like contracts or anything, but on the field it makes absolutely zero sense to get rid of anybody on this offense. So. But yeah, the money does the money does make things more complicated. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree. There's no reason to there's no reason to, to, to mess with this right now. We're giving we're giving uh again, I said it's not gonna be like a funeral for the Brown season. I'm gonna give them like a, a me style funeral. Uh I, I, I don't believe in a funeral, so I'm not gonna have one. I just want I want the people closest to me to go into like a pub and drink a bunch of beers and tell stories about me. And that's what we're doing about the Browns. It was an awesome season. Uh, I'm sad that we can't watch them uh, this weekend, but they certainly made a name for themselves and, uh, and they'll be back. This is not one of those offshoot years. This isn't 2007 going into 2008. This Browns team is going, is built to compete and they will continue to compete for years and years and Cleveland, we freaking deserve it. So uh, I think the next thing we had on the docket, just transitioning. Now this is a funeral. This is the fucking is a funeral. funeral. <laughs> this is a motherfucking funeral. And I'm sorry to even swear as much, but I, I think of all the people on this podcast, I've been the one that just hates this the most. I think you guys have been a little more realistic. I still hate it. Uh, so we're going to get into the oh, Indians a little bit. We haven't I done this on the podcast. The worst part, the worst part, the worst part, he gets plucked by the sexual predator who gets fired three days later. Jesus Can we talk Christ. about that too? Jeez. Jesus Christ. Oh, cool. God. Hey, God. Dudes, I, yeah, we will talk about that. Ready? I'm going to get real close to my microphone. Or should I do it? Should I do it in my inauguration voice? Like I'm you doing dudes. the look right now. Do you see, do you see quit, the look on it? Quit sending your wiener in unsolicited <laughs> pictures to fucking anyone. And taking our shortstop. Don't do that either. Yeah. Yeah, that too. But like... <laughs> Sorry. This this thing of dudes sending wiener pics is weird as hell. I, I said it on Twitter. What dude looks in the mirror at his own wiener and yeah, is like and is that's like beautiful. That's freaking gorgeous. And you know who's gonna like that? Some chick I probably don't even know on Twitter. Oh, did he do it after like the, the 60, it was like the 62nd straight God. text that was unanswered? He's like, oh, now it's, let, me, this, let me send it the closer right here. Uh, I will like, like a I'll catch a gl- roll of dime. Oh, <laughs> I'll catch a glance of myself like after a shower in the mirror and I'll be like, oh, uh, cover that shit up. Uh, Jesus. Oh, that's terrible. Like, who's, <laughs> what? Who are these guys that are like, that is a gorgeous penis i have to send that to the world <laughs> what are we talking about here no it's oh unacceptable listen <sighs> to the dudes that are listening out there if you think your wiener is just beautiful and some chick wants to see it online you're wrong it looked like the worst version of like a miniature hot dog flesh colored it's gross what stop the- it what the fuck are we talking about dude? yes well sorry Joe brought it up and that, <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of like a glancing subject <laughs> you brought it up and it needs to be addressed all right so back to back to the it. Indians listen on the podcast it's been a minute since this happened but we really haven't addressed it and I don't want to uh but the Cleveland Indians traded Francisco Lindor and it's it's uh, the uh, uh I, I don't buy it whatever I'm not buying it 
it wasn't necessary. The Cleveland Indians payroll sits at 25 freaking million dollars right now. 25 yeah. million dollars. Uh-huh. The Toronto Blue Jays just signed George Springer to a contract that pays him more than that every year. Yeah. George right. Springer. George Springer. We're not even talking about Mike Trout. George yeah. Springer is set to make more than every player on the Cleveland Indians this year combined. Yep. Is there what are we like, doing? What is, are we there, doing? is there something like are they seeing something like two years down the line where they're like this person, this person, this person's available. We got to resign this person, this person, this person, and let's just clean house. Is that what they're just doing? Just call, just call Kenny Lofton again, though. Fan yeah, favorite, right. come back. He'll he'll, he'll bring uh, he'll bring sure. asses in the seats. It's awful. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, and you know what? That's why I have said from the beginning, and we have had guest after guest. And, and we've all had the conversation. This is going to happen. It's the reality. It just is what it is. Don't be mad at the Indians. Be mad at baseball. I'm not mad at baseball right now. I'm mad at the Indians. Right now, if the Indians would have signed Francisco Lindor to a contract that he was looking for, their payroll for the upcoming year would be $55 million. Yeah. Which yeah. would still be one yeah. of the lowest payrolls in baseball. Right. So I'm not mad right. at baseball because this isn't a be mad at baseball situation. This is awful. This is awful. When you, and, and when you look around baseball, too, you see all these other small market teams, Toronto signing Springer to that six-year, $150 million deal. San Diego, who is the 29th market in baseball. The Indians are 19th. San Diego is 29th. And they're talking about signing – their star, their homegrown talent, uh, Tatis Jr., to a 12-year, like, $320 million contract. As they should. Like, like, like go, go fuck yourself right. if you're trying to tell me that market – if you're trying to give me the market size excuse. Right. Okay? Go fuck yourself. You know, it's the first time that I felt like maybe something else is going on here. Maybe oh, something no. else is going on here. Yeah. Don't it, say it. Is it. Don't no. say it. As the Nashville guy, it's an oh-no. Maybe oh, something no. else is going on here. What do you think is going to happen now? What do you think is going to happen? Who's going to buy tickets to go watch this team? Who's right. going to buy tickets? And and right. and it's not just because you got rid of Lindor. Because, again, when you look at this team, they could still be competitive. There's still enough talent. There's still enough pitching to be competitive. So it's not about that. Sure. It's about this ownership group. And this PR group, I'm going to leave the GM and stuff out of it because the GM is one of the best in baseball. But this ownership group and this PR group does absolutely everything they can do, everything they can do to keep people out of that stadium. They make the stadium atmosphere stuffy and not fun. They, uh, they do what they did this year, and they've been doing it for years. Hey, Francisco Lindor, enjoy him. Oh yeah, we'll probably we'll probably sign somebody to a three hundred million dollar contract when other teams are signing t- players to billion dollar contracts. Why would you say that out loud and think you're going to sell tickets? <laughs> so I'm 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 finally reserved to the fact that I think something else is happening here. Are they going to change their name to the Stars? The Nashville Stars? Yeah. <laughs> I, I am. Wow. I just. <laughs> I, I I don't know I don't know 
first of all, if you, I've said this a million times, if you own a baseball team because that's your business and you're trying to make money off your business, you own a baseball team for the wrong reason. You should own a business yeah. or a baseball team because you're already rich from other shit. And this is just your fun thing to do. Let's rewind. If, 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 uh, um, the Indians are an investment to make money. Let's just you've already of, done that. You're doing a shit job at it. Well, like well you've they, already done it though. They've already made money for fun or to make money. Both of them are not working. Even if you're trying to make money, there's incentive to win uh-huh. there because the more you fans back the stands, the more merchandise that the more yeah. you win, the more money you make, the more you win. So there's incentive to keep on winning. <laughs> But it's it's oh, find me a business. Find, what what business are we talking about here? The less money we spend, the more we expect to make because that's what the Indians are doing right now. The less we spend, the more we intend to make. And I know you will have these people, uh, the Indians beat writers. God love them. They stick up for the Indians at every turn. Uh, and they're like, you know, a couple of years ago, they signed Edwin Encarnacion. And what was the attendance? It doesn't matter. The attendance was fine. You want to see what bad attendance looks like? Get ready. Get ready. Because you just let, again, yeah. you yeah. just let, I, I don't think they understand what they did. You didn't, you didn't just let some good player for your team go. Francisco Lindor is a face of baseball. Like, this is a face yeah. of Major League Baseball that you traded away. This isn't just some guy. This is a guy that everybody knows. This isn't a Cleveland favorite. This is a major league baseball favorite and everybody knows him and everybody loves him. And you could have just signed him and you would have been fine because your payroll would have sucked and they didn't do it. And it, and it's, it, it, do you think Antonetti and Chernoff? Sorry. Sorry. I was going to say, do you think Antonetti and Chernoff just walk around with like a flask in their suit pocket? Like they get out of a meeting with the Dolans and they're like, like uh, how much do you have to work with? Oh, you have about uh, $4 to work with. Like the, and then they walk out of the meeting and I just see them going, Oh God. It reminds me of like yeah. South park, like Cartman, like you could have at least taken me out to dinner before you decided <laughs> to fuck me. <laughs> like God. <laughs> Listen, the Indians again, I don't want to be, I am a little dramatic about it. I don't want to be too dramatic about it. The Indians, I think, can still compete. I don't know how they're going to compete with Chicago. I don't know how they're going to compete with Minnesota. But you still have tremendous pitching. You've still got Jose Ramirez, who literally, arguably, has been a little bit more productive than Francisco Lindor in the last couple of years. Uh Uh, You've still got some good young players. Franmil Reyes, I like Josh Naylor. Uh, So there's still some talent on this team. But oh boy, like right, it, it really just feels like here we go again, and we are <laughs> around the corner from uh, the Matt Lawton years and Milton Bradley. Oh, like call here up, we go. up Casey Blake, call up Casey Blake, see if he's still available. Casey Blakely. So see? I don't know if you guys have anything fun to end this on. I I I. I think we had a great episode. Uh, we celebrated the Browns. We 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 buried the Indians, which they deserved. And we had an absolutely incredible guest, Jay Brophy, on. Uh, we really appreciate his time. But uh, guys, you got anything else before we get out of here? 
Gosh. Uh, no. 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 I don't think so. All right, boys. Well, we're going to cut it off. Uh, but, uh, again, our thanks go out to Jay Brophy, uh, the current head coach of the Manchester Panthers. Uh, what a, an awesome selection of stories that he gave us uh, here tonight. Uh, we look forward. We'll talk to him again, I'm sure, at some point. It was amazing. Uh, again, our thanks again go out to our our new partner, Belly Up Sports. Uh, you'll find us on the Belly Up Sports Network from here on out and look for us in some other ways, but uh, go find them, Belly Up Sports. You can find them on our link tree as well. We're up on the website now. Uh, but for Joey down in Nashville at Garage Beers, Joe for Chad over on the east side at Garage Beers, Chad. I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers. Mike, you can catch us same time next week. Uh, but this has been episode 48. We appreciate you joining us. Cheers, everybody. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.